You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Bethel. I am thrilled to be able to share with you this morning. I want to share a story with you about a good friend of mine. His name is Kelifa. He is a guy that lives in the village called Sulaimania, where we lived for nine years. And Kelifa, when he was young, um, he ran into some issues. Um, he, he was attacked with this disease, with this infection called leprosy. And if you know anything about leprosy, it's something that attacks your nerves, so you start losing sensation. And um, so Kelifa, he didn't realize he was getting sick with this. There was one time he was out on his, his farm uh, cutting rice stalks, and he looked down and there was a, a lot of blood. And he thought, what's going on with this? And he looked and he realized he was cutting through his hand. And he had no idea because he couldn't feel it. He cut through tendons, nerves, and he just, he lost use of that hand. Also with this, this problem of losing sensation, he started to get sores on his foot. Um, pain, it's actually a good thing because it helps you know something bad is going on. Kelifa did not know something bad was going on. And so the sores got worse. They weren't being cared for. And it got to the point where he had to have his foot amputated. Well, eventually he was able to make it up to a mission hospital where they were able to make a prosthesis for him that you see there. Um, it kept breaking. So there I am. I, you saw, I had, I had training in music and Bible. I had no clue how to <laughs> work on prostheses. But there I am trying to help fix his, his prosthetic foot for him um, so he could continue walking around and doing things. Well, Kelifa, even with all this adversity he was going through, um, he came to love the Lord. He came to love following Jesus as his Savior and reigning King. And he would come over to our house every day at 10 o'clock in the morning. And okay, admittedly, I feel a little bit bad for this. I got him addicted to coffee because he would come and we would sit and we'd drink coffee together and we'd read the word together. We would pray together. Um, but what was really fun about that was not only were we reading the word so we could grow in our relationships with Christ, but we were doing this because it was his training ground for going and sharing the word, sharing Christ with others. And there were some villages near us that had invited us out to come and, and teach them from the word of God. They said, hey, we want to learn more about this Esau this Jesus that you're talking about. So there was one village just a few miles away from us that we would go to twice a week, and there were five men there that had invited us to come and share. And so we would do that twice a week. Come, we'd study at our place and then go and, and share with them. And these five men there um, were getting really excited about what they were learning. And they came to the point where they said, you know what, this is, this is for us. This is what we want. We want to follow Christ with everything that we have in us. And um, even came to the point where they said, you know what, we are so serious about this. We, we want to be baptized. We want to show others that this is the decision that we've made. This is, this is us. This is our lives. And we said, okay, that's great, but it's dry season right now. And um, the issue with dry season is there's just not a lot of flowing water places. All we know about are these nasty swamps sitting water, getting kind of gross, you barely touch it, you get schistosomiasis or some other nasty thing, nasty parasite. And they said, no, don't worry about it. We know a place. We know a place. It'll be good. And we said, okay, wonderful. And so a few days later, we show up at this place 
And Kellef and I, we walk down to the edge of the water and we look at it and we're like, hey, this, this is going to work. This is all right. It's, it's not too deep so that I can help Kelifa get in the water um, one-legged and, and get set up. Um, and it's not so shallow that it'll be hard to dunk these guys. Um, this is going to work out. Well, as Kelif and I are talking, Kelifa slips, and he starts falling into the water, and I grab him, and I look down, and there's these leeches, like torpedoes, going right towards his leg. And I yank him out as quick as I can. But you guys, what freaked me out was that was his prosthetic leg. <laughs> Leeches, they want, you know, blood and flesh. They were, they were so hungry, so desperate. Anything that moved in the water, they're going for. And I look up at the other guys, and you can see on their faces, what, what are we doing? <laughs> we're, we're, uh, maybe, maybe we don't want to get in there. This is, this is kind of crazy. So I said, Kelifa, you guys just talk for a while. Let's figure this out. And they talked and discussed for a while. And Kelifa came back to me. And he said, hey, Jeremy, would it be okay if we just kind of knelt at the edge by the water? And then we can say the things we were going to say. We can pray. And we can just dunk their heads in and pull them out real quick before <laughs> the leeches come. I said, that's awesome. Let's do that. We know your guys' hearts. We know we're still representing death with Christ and being risen with Christ as, as, as new creations. This is great. Let's do this. Y'all, this is one of the reasons why we go. When Jesus says go, this is one of the reasons. So we can see men and women choose Christ. We can see men and women say, this is what we want. We are sold out on this. We see Christ as our saving, reigning king. And this is what we want. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing to experience. And that's what we want to share this morning with you is, is some of the why. Why did Mindy and I go? Why should we consider going? If we happen to hear the call, well, why? And um, with the emphasis on, on the ends of the earth, um, I would be a absolutely terrible missionary preacher if I did not talk about the Great Commission. That's just kind of what you have to do. So I want to read with you Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I love the Great Commission. If you've grown up in the church at all, you've heard these verses many, many times, I hope. And probably a lot of you have memorized these verses. Um, there's very key parts in it that we're not going to go over at all today. Um, but just breaking it down into three parts, I feel like the, the three main parts are there is a declaration, and then there's a mandate, and then there's a promise. The promise at the end, it's a beautiful thing. Jesus saying, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That middle part, the mandate telling us what to do and how to do it. And then what I've come to realize um, as I've gone on in years, what I feel is a very foundational part to this whole thing. Actually, it's the very beginning. And I've decided that simply because of that word, therefore. That therefore means because of this, then this. Therefore, is pointing back to what is super important. Therefore, is pointing back to Jesus saying, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. 
So why is that a big deal? Well, I think back to um, uh, John chapter 17, where this is pre-crucifixion. Jesus is having a conversation with his father. He's praying, and as he's, he's starting out this prayer to the father, he's saying, Father, you have given your son authority over all humans. But then I look at this in Matthew 18. This is post-crucifixion and resurrection where he's now saying, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. There's a slight difference there. In John 17, all authority over, over humans, over mankind, you know, this is, this is Jesus speaking as the sacrificial lamb of God. But then I look over at what he's talking about after this resurrection. This is the Lion King speaking to his disciples. John 17, it's like the crown prince. He's got some authority and he's speaking and sharing. But then in Matthew 28, this is the reigning, saving, enthroned king, seated at the right hand of God, given authority over everything. That is a big deal with the resurrection where Christ is now enthroned and the authority and the power he's given. So why is that significant? Let me tell you, the definition of a kingdom is a realm associated with or regarded as being under the control of a particular person or thing. And if Jesus is enthroned at the right hand of God and he's saying all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, that means his kingdom is everywhere. That means his kingdom is right here, right now. That means that right now, currently, we are sitting in and walking in the kingdom with Jesus Christ as our King, as our Lord and Savior. You know what that also means? That means that some of us very possibly are living and walking in rebellion to that kingdom and that king. And then some of us here, I'm praying the majority of us here, are actually walking in allegiance to that king. Doing our best to glorify that king because we have chosen to follow him and walk in allegiance to him. So when Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, because of that, because of where I am placed on the throne, because of all this, I want you to go and make sure everyone knows that. I want you to go and tell them, hey, there is a saving, reigning king, and you can have your eyes focused on him and follow him with your lives. There is a whole world out there that does not know that good news message, that Jesus is a saving, reigning king. Romans 16, 26 says, But now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. Walking with Christ as their king. Um, there's an author, uh, theologian, scholar, Matthew Bates. He wrote a book called Why the Gospel. In that he says, The gospel's clearest purpose in Scripture is bodily allegiance to King Jesus in every nation. This is the message Jesus is giving here. Because I am now king, I want you to go and make sure everyone knows that. Go and share that message. Carry that message so people can hear. You know, those, those five men that we baptized that day, one of them, his name is Ali. <clears throat> He's a, a really neat guy, good friends with him. Uh, he, a few weeks after he was baptized, 
Ali's father-in-law came and took Ali's wife back from him. His father-in-law was very upset that Ali had made this choice to follow Christ. He had made this choice to say, I'm no longer following these traditions of Islam that are in my village because I am following Christ as my Lord and Savior and King. And so uh, his wife was taken away, and we got really worried and concerned because we'd seen all kinds of persecution in the area, um, all kinds of hard things like this happening. And I'd seen several people profess Christ, and then the persecution comes, and, and they fall back. And it's a hard, tough thing to live through and deal with. And so we went to Ali and, and wanted to go and pray with him and encourage him and ask him how he's doing, and he said, it's okay. I've chosen Christ. This is my decision. I'm staying steadfast in that. Christ is my Lord. He is my King. And we were really encouraged and very impressed with that. Um, so we left hoping and praying for him. Well, as it turns out, Ali's wife saw and experienced this change in Ali. She saw his, his anger diminish. He was no longer quick to anger. Um, she saw how he started showing tender, loving care for her. And comparing that to her friends in the village with their husbands and how they were being beaten and abused all the time and how they were taken on multiple wives. Ali's wife said, that's, that's not what I want. I want what I had with Ali. And I know that it's Christ in him that was making that happen. Well, within a month, this woman's father took her back and dropped her back off at Ali's place and said, she is not happy with me. In fact, she kind of made my life a little miserable because of what I did to her. Ali, take her. You can have her back. There's reasons like that why we go. Because men and women get to know Jesus Christ as their saving, reigning king, living for the king in his kingdom. There was a time... In our village in Sulaimania, I was in the language acquisition mode, um, trying my hardest to learn the Yalunka language. And um, there was a day where most of my buddies were out on their farms working, and sometimes I'd go out and help them, but sometimes I didn't. Well, I wanted to go out into the village and just practice my greetings with people. If you know anything about Africa or Yalunka culture, you can greet and greet and greet over and over and over again, and I just wanted to go and practice that. <clears throat> so I was out walking around, and I finally found an old woman sitting on a bench, and I thought, oh, she looks like she has time. Let's do this. I go and I sit down next to her and start greeting, and I'm starting to feel pretty good about myself. I'm understanding her, I think, and I think she's understanding me. We're getting conversation going. Well, not too long into it, another older lady comes by, and she says, I heard a baby cry in a hole. I looked at her and I thought, okay, maybe my language isn't all that great because that did not make much sense to me. What's going on here? Well, she said again, I heard a baby cry in a hole. And I still had a confused look on my face and the lady I was sitting next to, she said, you heard her correctly. So I got up and started following this woman, um, expecting just to see like a little hole, maybe a toddler fell in, needed help out or something like that. Well, we go and, and we come to this big, humongous hole, really deep. It was actually something that was dug out to be a, an outhouse or a latrine later on. So it was big and it was deep. I go over to the edge, I look inside, and I don't see anything. I can barely see the bottom, but I don't see anything down there. So we're sitting there, standing there for a while, and I don't hear anything, so I take a little pebble and, and toss it in, and then I hear what sounds like a little lamb's bleat, kind of like, bah. I thought, oh, 
that's, that's, I, I didn't expect that. And a little bit later, I heard the faintest of baby cries. And so I look, and there was another kid that had come by. I said, go get Fire. Fire is a good friend of mine in the village who we hire a lot to dig wells in the village. And we dug wells all over the place for clean drinking water. And he's the only one I knew that was skilled enough to be able to climb down a hole like this. I ran, and I found some rope, and Fire and I met back at the hole at the same time, and he started climbing down. And um, when he finally gets to the bottom, I see him get on his knees, and he just starts pulling back dirt, soft dirt. After several inches of dirt are pulled away, he starts pulling back banana leaves. And then under the banana leaves, he picks up this tiny little baby. I can't believe what I'm seeing, but he keeps going. He's pulling, I realize he's pulling umbilical cord attached to placenta. And he starts climbing up the walls of, of this hole. I get down on my stomach and a woman hands me a, a wrap that she had wrapped around her head. And, and when Fire gets high enough, he, he hands up this tiny little baby to me. This was the coldest sensation I've ever felt on another human being. I don't even know how to describe it. Cold, wet, muddy. I get up, wrap the baby, hold it next to me. I can't tell if it's still alive. I, didn't, I couldn't believe I had enough strength or energy to let out the cry that it had given. I start walking towards our house, and by this time a large crowd had gathered around me and was following me. And I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Um, in this part of Africa, uh, when there is a death, for my friends there, there is a, a deep, deep welling of emotion that starts in like the innermost part of your soul and just starts building up and coming out and just explodes out of the mouth like the loudest, saddest wail that you could ever hear. And so here I am carrying this baby and the women and everyone behind me were convinced I'm carrying death. And so all of a sudden there's this death wail that just starts out. Everyone's crying and wailing. Tears are streaming down my face. And Mindy in the house hears this noise and commotion. And she comes out to the porch and sees me walking up with this humongous crowd behind me wailing. And I go up and I hand this baby to Mindy. And she looks at me and she goes, is it dead? I have no idea. So she takes it and just runs inside. And she starts doing her nursing thing. Um, Again, I studied music and Bible, so just the nursing thing, whatever it is. Somehow she was able to get this child warmed up and cleaned up and just immediately starts caring for this baby. Now, long story short, there's tons of details. Feel free to come ask Mindy later about all the details. I'm going to cut a lot of the story short. Um, we hospitalized this baby in our home for about two weeks. Mindy treated it for meningitis, pneumonia, tetanus, many other things. Um, and during this time, we came to find out that very likely this child was taken from her mom against her will. Uh, you see, this baby, this newborn baby's great-grandmother happened to be the lead witch for the secret satanic society in that village. And likely it was around that time of year when this satanic demonic worship society was requiring a life sacrifice. And so being the lead witch, knowing that this granddaughter was now in labor and delivering, this great-grandmother witch came and scooped up this newborn baby to take and have buried alive as a live sacrifice. 
Well, knowing this, Mindy brought the mother of this baby into our house and took her and taught her how to care for her child, how to nurse her child. You can imagine the trauma that was in place and the connection that was broken that Mindy helped to foster and, and reconnect with that. It was an amazing, beautiful thing seeing that happen. But after two weeks, we saw this baby is now strong enough. It doesn't need to be cared for full-time in our home anymore. <clears throat> so after those two weeks were up, we went to the center of the village where um, the chief's meeting area is. And the chief had a big meeting. A lot of the village was there. And we sat with the chief. And I, I remember vividly Mindy holding this baby in her arms and looking at the chief and saying, this child was thrown away like trash, but no one will ever look at her and see her like that because God saved her. This child is an absolute miracle of God, and everyone in this village will treat her like that. Whenever you look at this child, you will know that God exists, God is real. And she handed the baby back to the chief, and the chief said, everyone's eyes are on this child, and no one will touch this child, no one will hurt this child. And I decree today that this baby will be named Binti. Binti is Mindy's Yolunka name. And then he took Binti and handed Binti to Binti's mother. And we have a picture of Binti there as, as a toddler. He's actually four or five years old there. Today in the small village of Sulaimania, there is an 18-year-old girl walking around because there was an answer to the call to go. This is why we go. This is why we must obey the call if Jesus says go, if he says come. It's because men and women need to know that there is a saving reigning king. It's because lives can be saved because we walk in obedience to him. These aren't Jeremy and Mindy glory stories. These are examples of what happens when ordinary men and women answer the call to go and then see Jesus work and then see the Spirit work. Last week or a couple of weeks ago, I sent an email out to some of our faculty and staff here at Bethel who have served overseas. And I just asked the question, why did you go? And would you be willing to let us video you giving your answer to that? So I want to have that video shown now so you can hear from our faculty and staff here. Why did you go? So my name is Nick Giever. I'm an RD here at Bethel. And my wife and I spent three years living in the Dominican Republic. I feel like my wife and I both decided to go on missions, um, like serve abroad, because we just... So my name is Nick Giever. I'm an RD here at Bethel. And my wife and I spent three years living in the Dominican Republic. I feel like my wife and I both decided to go into missions, um, like serve abroad, because we just recognize that God's kingdom is so much bigger than just what I see in my everyday life. So we just found like a need that we had a heart for and got plugged in with it. And I feel like a lot of what it cost us was things that ended up actually detracting us from God anyway, right? Like we put down a lot of what was distracting us from God and stepped into his ministry and because of that, we got to see like crazy growth or crazy changes within people's lives. My name is Josh Hawkins in Sofia, Bulgaria. I didn't want to go, uh, but I went because once I was called, I knew I wouldn't be content to do anything else. 
I am Courtney Chapman. I'm the director of Residence Life. I served in the Dominican Republic for three and a half years. I think the word I would say is invitation. So I don't think I made that decision all at once. I think there were a lot of things that happened along the way in my college years and just in life that prepared me for when I had an opportunity to live overseas for an extended period of time. Um, my name is Holly Tapley and I'm a medical doctor. My title here is Assistant Professor of Anatomy and Physiology. I was in the country of Nepal and I was there for around 20 years. Well, I'd had a burden to share Christ since I was a young child, saw some missionaries and it gave me a passion for missions and I wanted to go somewhere that was hard to reach and Nepal had many people who had never even heard the name of Jesus and I wanted to go somewhere where I could use my medical skills and Nepal has a whole lot of medical needs. So the medical needs and the ability to share Christ through both love and through word in the midst of that, that's what attracted me to Nepal. My name is Sarah Hawkins and I'm serving at Sofia, Bulgaria. I answered the call to missions because I couldn't really see a reason to say no and I wanted to be used by God to change the world. But what I really didn't know was the extent to which he would actually use that world to change me. My name is Timothy Ertl. People call me Brother Tim. Teaching here at Bethel since 1994, uh, though I'm now retired, I also still work with the archives. The call to Jamaica seemed to fit all the gifts that I had had and developed up to that time. I had a series of uh, graduate degrees. I had already been teaching on the seminary level. I was a seminary faculty member, but I was also working as a theological librarian, and they needed those combination of skills. And I had felt since the time I was five years old that someday God was going to use me somehow overseas, and this seemed to be a, a perfect match for the kinds of skills and background that I had. At Bethel, we're blessed with some very special, gifted people that God has used all around the world. I encourage you to take time to talk with those people that you saw in that video and hear from them, ask them. There's even more than that than were on the video. Seek people out and ask them stories of their time and ask them, why did you go? I've got two challenges for you this morning. Number one, if you're at a point of realizing, hey, I am in a kingdom, but I'm, in, I'm living in rebellion to that kingdom, rebellion to that king, and you want to talk about what it means to live in allegiance to that king, to glorify the saving, reigning king, Jesus Christ. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Find someone and talk to them today about that. You can come find me afterwards. Find someone else. Don't go past today without choosing who you will serve. Number two, everyone is being asked to live this kingdom life out, whether it's in your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or to the ends of the earth? Is it possible that our king is asking some of you today to consider that ends of the earth? Is it possible? You just heard several reasons why, several testimonies of why and how. So if that 
is at all something working on your heart. If the Spirit is speaking to you about the ends of the earth, again, go talk to someone. Find someone, tell them immediately. Find your mentor, find a friend, come find me, come find Mindy, anyone you trust, share that with them. Have them pray with you, have them keep you accountable to it. I would love to cheerlead you through that and help, you, help get you there. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we sit in amazement at how you have created this world. We sit in amazement that we have a saving, reigning king in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We praise you for that, and we want to glorify you in that, and we want to live for you with everything that we have in us. And Father, I say today, here we are. Send us. In your name, amen. You are dismissed. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.bethelluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.